Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Heavyweight Podcast. In one corner, standing at six foot three, two hundred ninety pounds of solid chicken wings, Dustin Urban. And this corner at six foot seven, two hundred eighty pounds, the one, the only, Big Daddy Nick Klein. Welcome back to the Heavyweights Podcast. I'm Dustin Irvin, and to my right is Nick Klein, as always. we got a big slate of stuff for you today, guys. Um, we're going to cover the 49ers uh, offseason, how they came from off of the Super Bowl, and what they've done to make additions to their team. And then we've got a couple interviews with some pretty cool football minds. Yeah, we've got our first ever interviews this week. We have the football dudes based out of L.A. They'll be on later. Um, they started a radio station on the East Coast a few years ago, and they've got a great site. You'll learn more about them. But our first guest, Johnny Kinsley, um, has the some great stuff on Twitter. We were able to get him on. He writes for the 49ers, Hub covers the 49ers, and we'll get into his NFL downfield accuracy charts that he comes out with every year that's absolutely phenomenal. The Deep Ball Project, I think. Yeah, it's the Deep Ball Project. I mean, he's just he spends hours every year. He's the thing. He talks about it on our guest spot, but right. it's just one of the better interviews we've had. I know it's our first, but both the interviews today were amazing. So we're looking forward to that just to bring that some new, fresh content. We'll be having more of that going forward. But before we get to our first interview, we kind of just wanted to recap what the 49ers have been able to do in the offseason. We saw they were able to trade DeForest Buckner away. They got the Colts 13th overall pick. We're able to trade back, and you know they got Javon Kinlaw. And, I mean, I think they had a pretty good draft. They brought in Trent Williams in the trade. But going over their schedule for next year, I don't see the big deal with the Super Bowl hangover curse. But right. it could. But just looking off their schedule right now, what is one of the biggest games you see right off the bat? I mean, it's always, to me, it's with them, it's when they play the Seahawks. I mean, they play in Week 8 and they play in Week 17. But those are just the those are the biggest games for me. Whenever they play the Seahawks, I, I'll, I'll always want to be able to tune in. Yeah, I, I understand that. But, you know, they're always going to have those two. But, you know, they're traveling to New Orleans down there this year and at Dallas, and they've got a rematch of the NFC Championship game last year for Green Bay. So their schedule is a little tougher this year. Although, depending on what Arizona does, a lot of people are having them as the sleeper team of the right. year. Then they travel to New York for two straight weeks and taking on the Giants and Jets. So Should they be two dubs there. They can get off to an easy start. <laughs> you know, three out of their first five teams were top top twelve picks last year with right. the Jets, the Giants, and the Dolphins. So and I think the Cardinals. Yeah, and the Cardinals. I just I think we all view them as a different level right no, now. No, I was with just the saying, rookie season saying, Kyler Murray had even even the picks wise. right. So it'll just be an it'll be interesting to see what they do. I say we just jump into it. Let's get in. We're going to go in more in depth, and let's start off with the Johnny Kinsley interview right off the bat. Kick it. All right, joining us now with the 49ershub.com is Johnny Kinsley. He also writes for the Panthers for the RiotReport.com, and he's the creator of the Deep Ball Project. If anybody hasn't been out there yet on Twitter, give him a follow. It's actually a really cool piece. He put a lot of research into it. Um, it gives insight of Basically, it explains itself the deep ball project, but anything 21-plus yards down the field, and he broke it down. Um, Johnny, thanks for having or coming on our show today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. So some of our listeners, they might be based you know, more out of Indianapolis because that's where we started. I used to cover writing the Colts for a few websites. But if you just give a brief history of you know, how you got into writing, I guess, and then what actually you do for the 49ers Hub, and then a little bit about what brought you to start that deep ball project. 
Well, I started writing for forty for uh, the 49ers back in um, it was it was either March or May of uh, twenty eighteen. I was looking I was looking for a 49ers job because because I, I was fascinated with how uh, the team was being developed at that point, and I I I pretty much thought that uh, the team that they had in twenty nineteen to some extent would be the team that they had in twenty eighteen, and of course. The uh, injury to Jimmy Garoppolo after three games definitely had an impact on how bad they were. But um, I did like the roster construction. I, I thought that uh, the addition of guys like Dante Pettis, Richard Sherman would definitely uh, would definitely pay off. And one of I mean one of the, one of those guys I guess did. But um, that's that's for that's for another topic. But um, that's that's essentially how I started writing uh, for Forty Nine ers. I reached out to them and they. Uh, they uh gave me they gave me a little resume and uh I just told them a little bit about myself and they, like it really took care of itself from there. I started writing from ever since. Um, how I started the Deep Ball Project? I was in, I was actually in my junior year of college when I started the Deep Ball Project. It was early 2015, and at the time I was I was I was actually fascinated reading charts from uh, Pro Football Focus who were a little yeah. smaller than they were today. Right. Uh, on how guys like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Drew Brees were consistently graded as the best deep passers for 2013, 2014, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The problem was I never had instant access to that kind of stuff. So eventually I figured, why not start charting it on my own and figure the answer out for myself? So at the time, the uh, NFL Game Rewind was what we used to go through all of the games before Game Pass g- came by just a little bit after. And I used that to chart each team's quarterback. And originally, it wasn't even called the Deep Ball Project. It was just called the best deep ball quarterback of 2014, 2015. And it wasn't until the third edition after the 2016 season that it was officially called the Deep Ball Project. Since then, I've gradually added new stats to add context every year. And since then I've released the sixth edition of the project, which is also getting a piece on football outsiders that I just completed today. And it'll eventually be out hopefully by the end of the month. That is awesome. I mean, I personally go on outsider. I did focus years ago because I started writing in 2014. Yeah. 2014 for a few sites. And I'm, I'm right there with you. There's times like I'll want to go and get information from, you know, football outsiders or pro football focus or just getting more statistical data and it'll be, you know, how many times are the passes, you know, batted down if they throw certain areas and stuff. And that's why I absolutely have been obsessed with your chart. I've showed it to Urban a few times. Um, we're going to come back to that later, but I think Urban wanted to start off. We'll get back to more of the 49ers talk. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to know what you thought about their first round draft pick, Javon Kinlaw. What, what was your initial reaction to that? I was pretty surprised that uh... – the Kinlaw pick. I figured since uh, since Jerry Judy fell to the 49ers at 14, no one had taken him yet, that they would draft him. He like he, he seemed like an absolute game changer for the 49ers. So um, I was not expecting the Javon Kinlaw pick. The pick did make sense, however. I, I mean, I was not as high on Kinlaw as other people were because I thought he was a little raw. Still, he's a cheaper replacement on DeForest Buckner, so the pick is pretty valid he has moments where like he's flashed incredible athleticism he's had some incredible plays coming out of college so i do see the pick making sense and hopefully he turns out just as great as forrest buckner was right i mean my initial reaction was to i thought it would be a perfect at least jerry judy a perfect fit with debo samuel over there and I, i i wanted to be completely shocked you know they traded back one pick but i mean you've seen 
John Lynch invests so much in that defensive line. I might be a little higher on Kinlaw than you. Um, I think he has more upside than Derek Brown, but I mean, he is raw. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. It's just, I was still a little surprised they didn't address receiver there. They did later on, but I think my biggest thing with their draft is going later on. We found out day three that Saturday morning, I think right before the draft started, you guys were able to trade for Trent Williams, which came out of nowhere to me. I assumed, you know, the Browns would have been going or some other team, but the fact that Joe Staley retires and you bring in Trent Williams might've been my biggest thing for you guys. And during the draft, I mean, what do you guys expect to invest more into the running game? I guess would be my question on that because you brought in an elite left tackle and you can still keep McGlinchey on that right side. I think I think I think the run game, regardless if Trent Williams was there or not, would be pretty decent. But I think obviously the uh, the addition of him, especially with the um, retirement of Joe Staley, is definitely going to be an upgrade for that left side. And best part about that is that they only had to give up a day two and a day three pick just to right. get him, which was, which, yeah, it was, it was really unexpected considering like there were reports like last year that the Browns or the Vikings or even the 49ers, like we didn't know that they were really interested in him at the time, but those teams would need to shelve out a first round pick just to get him. Right. So he, he solidifies the right, uh, the left side of that line. And he's, he's definitely going to improve a run game that, really already has Raheem Monster, who broke out last year, has incredible speed. Tevin Coleman, who's very inconsistent, but also very quick and definitely knows the Shanahan system since he's been in there for a while. Um, Jared McKinnon, hopefully, like he like he hasn't played a single regular season snap because he's been injured like in both of his two seasons in San Francisco. But he but, but he's he's also a very talented receiver. Uh, receiving back runner and Shannon was also planning to have him become a, a huge part of that offense before he tore his ACL or whatever it was in this 2018 season. Yeah. So though, like, like those three guys. And of course, Kyle Juszczyk in the back of the, uh, the backfield as well, are definitely going to get a bigger chance to produce with Trent Williams um, protecting the left side. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely love the fact that you said it's just a day two and a day three. We even talked about earlier, in the offseason, you know, the, the Redskins were still wanting to get a first-round pick, and it seemed more evident that that wasn't going to happen. But you had other teams that I thought needed that premier left tackle more precedent over the 49ers. So the fact that Lynch was able to pull off the trade of the draft, to me, at least during that weekend, was just sheer astonishment and, like, great for the 49ers. Um, and, you know, you got another piece to protect Jimmy Garoppolo, who hopefully takes a step forward. Yeah. Yeah, um, what do you think Jimmy G's biggest areas of improvement are heading into year three with the team? Do you think he's the the main guy for the future down the road, or do you think here in a couple of years they might look in a different direction possibly? I'm more I'm more along uh, like the middle of that stuff. I expect Garoppolo to at least be like average in his third full season, which with with a team as stacked as the 49ers is perfectly fine, which which will definitely get him to the postseason, maybe back to the Super Bowl again. I'm not exactly floored by him, but he's a, definitely a quarterback you can win games with. And as evident yeah. that the 49ers were pretty bad without him at the helm in 2018 and especially 2017. The thing I'd like to see from him personally is better decision-making, as I felt he got a little lucky with dropped interceptions, though I suppose the same can be said with, with his receivers dropping 
every, seemingly everything last year. Right. It's not exactly that's not exactly a popular opinion with 49ers fans, but that's kind of the opinion that I feel about him. Like I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's really bad by any means. I just feel like he like he's not exactly a perfect quarterback. I don't think he's that elite talent that you would see from Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or re- really Lamar Jackson as well. He's not the biggest athlete, but he can create to an extent out of the pocket. He's a quick-minded passer that can process his first reads pretty fast. That's an appealing part of his game. That's um, especially something that he's learned under Tom Brady while in New England, who also played like that. So that helps him a good deal. I think more. I think really most 49ers fans should expect him to continue progressing, continue helping out in any way he can the Shannon offense. He's also going to be two years removed from that ACL injury, so hopefully he's a little more comfortable uh, with his progressions and with his decision making. Especially since uh, like like after one season, like you can like the rust can last like an entire season. But it's it's we've seen that happen with a couple of players outside of the quarterback position alone. So for a guy like Garoppolo. Um, uh, just being able to ha- have like two years uh, removed from that ACL injury should help him out at the very least. Yeah, pro- possibly give him a little bit more mobility. And yeah, I, I agree with what you said. I-, I think he's not elite by any means, but he's he's good enough to get it done for sure. Mm-hmm. My thing is, Debo Samuel should take another step forward next year. Yeah. Do they? You have more weapons for him. I mean, you're going to be able to run the ball, in my opinion, a little better. He's got that established offensive line. It's just they shouldn't have to ask too much of him. He does. He's not going to drop back 35, 40 times a game. You're going to have, you know, established with the run, and that defense should still be at a high level. But, I mean, transitioning into that, the NFC West is stacked, especially if Arizona, Kyler Murray continues to improve off an amazing rookie season. Yeah. You know, Seattle was right there in the mix last year. They were in the playoffs, obviously. You know, L.A. hit some strides later in the season. I thought they could have been more dangerous. They actually would have gotten into the playoffs. But recently, with teams that have lost the Super Bowl, they've just basically tanked the next year outside of, I guess, New England. But Atlanta and, you know, the Rams are the two teams, you know, that come to mind that almost that, like... The Seahawks, you know, too. Though, yeah, that, that, that almost, you know, we're, that we were there, we were so close, and the next year, just everything seems to falter. Oh, yeah, the Super Bowl losers, Chris, I guess is what we would call it. Do you see the 49ers getting close to that? Or, like, how do they stop that trend that we've seen so much or happen so much lately? Well, I did I did mention that there was needed improvement from Garoppolo earlier. Right. But personally, the 49ers don't necessarily need to do anything drastic. I don't think there's anything that's going to happen that's really drastic to them in terms of regression. Like, I do expect the defense to regress a bit since it's very rare that – they they play at an extremely high level, like like the number two, number one defense. We only really saw that with the Legion of Boom Seahawks, who had the number one defense for four consecutive years, which is absolutely incredible. But for for the 49ers, uh, they don't necessarily need to do anything drastic since they have one of the most complete rosters in the league. I did mention they well, like we did mention they traded for Trent Williams, who uh, is definitely there. Uh, um, there's the backfield, which is pretty stacked with Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, hopefully Jared McKinnon, of course, and the full best fullback in the game, Kyle Juszczyk. Debo, and the receiving corps, you got Debo Samuel, who was a quality rookie with incredible speed, incredible yards out of the catch ability, uh, an incredible gadget option, option late in the season. And I know that because I had him in fantasy and he was <laughs> producing for me. And George Kittle really needs no explanation as does the defense at all. There's a lot of depth on that defense. There's plenty of depth in that offense. And you've got you've got top tier playmakers like George Kittle, 
that are definitely guys that you want to extend sooner than later. Yeah. Really what the 49ers need, and of course, is uh, in, in, in improvement from the receiving corps, like like outside of George Kittle, because they have a lot of young guys and they don't like – not not too not too many veterans like real, really guys that are still on their rookie deals like Debo Samuel Trent Taylor I think is still on his rookie deal I don't think yeah I don't think they really have touched him either uh, Jalen Hurd really hasn't gotten a lot of playing time I like I I I don't even remember like like seeing him on the field too much but he was a rookie last year as well uh, I think I think I mentioned Debo Samuel and like yeah I did yeah you did yeah you did Wait, Kittle Kittle's going into the final year of his contract and yeah they're definitely going to work a deal out with him like I I I would be like really shocked if they didn't um but re- but really uh going back to Garoppolo if you remember from that Super Bowl he missed that throw to Emmanuel Sanders like yeah. in the end zone that would have given the 49ers a lead back and Shanahan also has a reputation of his teams blowing leads in the playoffs but i think playing against a generational player like patrick mahomes would definitely make that difficult for any defense even one as stacked as the four niners so really it's hoping that defense can play at the same high level as it did last year i mentioned that's very rare but they're still a high quality unit even without deforest buckner i think that they're going to be just fine and hoping that the development of guys like brandon Ayuk and really anything out of dante dante pettis at this point will help yeah, and so I wanted to – you kept, you know, Kittle, obviously, you know, one of the best tight ends in the league, uh, him and Travis Kelsey. I mean, we, we know that they're the top two. But you wanted more out of Debo Samuel to take another another step. What exactly do you guys expect out of Brandon Ayuk, the, you know, the, your guys' first, other first-round pick, when you traded back and then you got the receiver? I mean, do you guys expect him – or do you think Shanahan will use him a lot, or is it we're going to see him – slowly integrate in because receiving you don't usually see a lot from rookie receivers right off the bat or even at all their first year because they're not going to start and it takes a while to get used to that offense well first off the the, the au pick was a uh, another surprise in addition to the kinlaw pick and i'm not exactly the craziest about him either though i do i do like like what i do expect is i trust kyle shanahan's opinion since since he seems to get the most out of every receiver that he comes across i wasn't the biggest fan of Debo samuel coming out of college but we all know how that turned out he's been an extremely productive player in his rookie season and and really uh shanahan values guys that can create after the catch and so do most of the work scheming them open anyways and that was one of AU's strengths coming out of college so like the Kinlaw pick, this is a cheap, significantly younger replacement for Emmanuel Sanders, though. Personally, I think he'll need work separating against man coverage, press coverage, since I found that to be a little lackluster. Still, I still I like I think he's in great hands in the Shannon offense, so he'll be given a great opportunity to produce, even though like you might not expect him to get a thousand yards since George Kittle will probably cover that. Right. So I mean I'm right there with you. I wasn't as high on you. I know a lot of people had him late in the first rounds. I mean, I saw a lot of mocks had him going to Green Bay and stuff like that. I didn't personally. The injury history kind of shuffled me away from him, but he can create after the catch. But I figured they would get more of a deep threat. You know, yeah. I was, like I go back to your your deep ball project. I was going back. Garoppolo was higher than I expected, and he didn't have any dropped ints. You know, he had seven touchdowns and to only three interceptions, but his accuracy was high up there and his air yards were decent. So I, I guess I was kind of surprised by him and the fact that Gardner Minshew was up a little higher, but Garoppolo to me, I would have thought would have been better off of dumping off passes and that he would have ranked more at that bottom. So 
do you think that they're going to start throwing the ball down a little more downfield like that with just because of the simple fact that he can, he does have that strong arm. We know that we see him struggle with the reads, but I mean, it's just, it seems to me that you could utilize that more in that offense. I don't really expect much of a uh, transition since they, they like they they kind of have the same core of players like Kittle and a uh, Ayuk joining them, Pettis, um, Samuel, et cetera, et cetera. And like and like 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 you implied, uh, Garoppolo didn't really throw the ball too much downfield. He only had twenty seven attempts, and sixteen of those were between the area of twenty one and twenty five yards. So. I mean, that could probably be a reason why he like he gritted out a little higher than you might have expected him to. But still, I think in the offense that he has, like which there's a bunch of reads that a bunch of easy reads that he can get into, a bunch of open looks. It's pretty easy for him to rank like at least in the top fifteen. So I, I, with that said, do give him a lot of credit for sticking in the top ten, since a lot a lot of guys in like in his situation in the past. Uh, were pretty lackluster in comparison, but he had, as I mentioned, 27 downfield attempts, and yeah. I don't really expect that to change since it, like 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 uh, the dump off passes that he was doing last year were working really well with the talent that he was given. Kittle um, is is definitely a guy that can produce really underneath and in and in the intermediate levels of the field, and really no one's stopping him right now. So it's not like it's not like they need to have a bigger increase in a deep passing game immediately of um of 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 course if team if teams like eventually catch on then yeah they'll probably have to adjust in the middle of the season but right now like like no one was really stopping him and no one was stopping that run game especially until they hit a brick wall in Kansas City so yeah. that's personally how I feel about it they don't necessarily need to turn into it uh like like a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Jameis Winston led team where they're just throwing deep pass after deep pass after deep pass and uh suffocating defenses down the field so whatever works for them will work for them Okay. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get away from the 49ers a little bit right here. I got a couple questions for uh, of you. Of course you do. Um, who do you th- who's your favorite dark horse team going into the season right now? I mean, without having training camp and everything. Hmm. Uh, I would I would I would probably have to go with the Broncos. Okay. I think I I like I personally think they could be a very easy wild card team especially okay. with with the additions of Jerry Judy, uh KJ Hamler who's a very who's a very high quality slot receiver who like I I I've gotten people who have compared him to um to Marquise Brown coming out of college especially with the speed and his ability after the catch. And right. it just makes sense. I I do think he's kind of like a slot version like like more of a slot version of Hollywood Brown and he doesn't even need to be like a wide receiver one or even a wide receiver two because they already have two wide receiver ones Portland yeah. Sutton and Jerry Judy in my mind. Judy is going to be an immediate playmaker, in my opinion, knock on wood. Uh, backfield is incredible with Phil Lindsay. They added Melvin Gordon for basically nothing. Uh, no no offense, a guy that's also kind of underrated as well. There there, there was quite a little, quite a bit of criticism with him in regards to drops. I think, I think most of that came from like the first half of his rookie season, but – Second half of the season, I thought he was really much improved. I thought he made some uh, impressive plays, and I, uh, he he had uh, he had like 562 yards, I think, which is pretty impressive for a rookie tight end. So I definitely 
expect him to make some progress. And of course, really, I haven't even gotten into the defense yet. Right. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, Von Von Miller. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be the 2015 guy anymore. But Brad, Bradley Chubb is coming back, and yeah. he only played in four games last year due to injury. And his sack numbers and QB hit numbers weren't really high but i did see i did see him create a bunch of pressure so i think his i think like his start was like a little better than what i had first seen from it or like what i f- first saw from uh the box score like looking back through his tape i definitely did see a good deal of pressure that i wasn't really seeing on the box score stats so we got von miller they got um yeah bradley Chubb. they 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 also they also just traded for Jarrell casey okay. I yeah, still it's, can't believe that. Like they, they only gave up a seventh round pick for him. Yeah, seventh round pick. Like that, like that, that, like, that, like that's kind of a steal. Even if even if this is not the same, like right, cute like level of draw case you're getting. Like he, like he's still a pretty decent player. And I think they also just uh, they either tagged or extended Shelby Harris. So he he's back on there. So that's four starting quality defenders on that front four. And I haven't even mentioned the secondary yet, which. I, I gotta. My, 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 yeah, my memory on it's a little fuzzy at the time, so I'm trying to. I mean, doesn't kind of throw you on the spot with that because when we were doing, I'll let you look it up because when we did our, you know, draft recap a couple weeks ago, that was one of my top teams of they invested everything in, into lock. Yeah, I mean they got yeah. Amber picking around too, but they just and Judy, the fact that Judy fell to them, Sutton had a breakout year last year. Best mm-hmm. For that that defense, I, I really think that they could be is if Locke takes another step forward. I mean, this team could be really deep on both sides of the ball. So I'm I'm completely with you on this. I loved everything they did in the offseason too. You know, they upgraded the offensive line. Getting Casey helps. And I think that a lot of people aren't talking about them because unfortunately they play in a division with the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Yeah, and I don't necessarily expect them to be like the division champions anytime soon, especially yeah. with Mahomes doing what he does. But right. they uh they do they do have like enough more than enough talent to make the wild card. And really all Drew Locke has to do is just play competent, just play average. He's not like like I don't expect him to like really carry this team, especially with the load of talent that he has around him. But as long as he plays average, as long as he's not missing too many throws, as long as he's making like like really the correct decisions, because because he because he did get uh, actually like actually like a like enough decent looks in the five games that he was playing. I did see a good deal of open receivers, even if it wasn't necessarily the most talented group of playmakers outside of uh, Corlin Sutton. So he. Uh, as we know, receiving corps is much improved, should be one of the absolute best receiving corps in all of football. And uh, getting getting back to the secondary, they did sign A.J. Boye, who kind of dropped off last season with the Jaguars. But, but hey, they, they, did, they did need a cornerback, especially with uh, how Chris Harris joined the Chargers and uh, <laughs> not even leaving the division either. Uh, Justin, Justin Simmons was another guy that people – like in the football community love like a lot of people think like, like completely yeah yeah a lot a lot of people think like if, like if he's not the best safety in the league that he's at least in top five i would definitely have to like further know about that because i haven't really seen a good deal of plays from him so i would have to get i would have to get back to you on that but i think that he's uh definitely someone that i want to start watching sometime soon yeah, and uh, think- of, of course of course I didn't, I didn't even mention uh bryce callahan who was uh who was a, a, a stud slot corner with the Bears in 2018 that uh, he's also there. So 
I do think they have enough players in the secondary and on that defense as a whole to be a very good unit. And when you combine that with the offense and how much talent they have, like I don't see how they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I really appreciate – sorry to throw you on the spot like that with the Dark Horse team. But <laughs> oh, you're good. I had it ready. I completely agree, man. The The defense is where it needs to be. And if that offense can just run the ball and make the smart throw – or Drew Locke can make the smart throws going – into the game, you know, get those key third downs and get some touchdowns in the red zone. They're going to be right there. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, translating, you know, from lock, you know, we're going that second year, you know, it's a, it's a big improve. We're not going to have the rookie mini camps this year and everything. What about this year's class of rookie quarterbacks though, if we're going through that and then, because you've spent so much time with your deep ball project, looking at quarterbacks, who do you think, which rookie quarterback that was taken this year, do you think is being put in the best situation that could have a, it's not going to have a year like Kyler Murray, but something close to what Murray was able to do last year or Andrew Luck or any rookie that actually came out on all cylinders. So, so, so are you, are you asking like, like which quarterback you think is going to be in the best situation? Yeah. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Cause uh, con- considering like, like the, 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 uh, the, guy, the guys that we have right now, like the four first round rookies, there was right. Burrow, there was Tua, there was Herbert, um, I and uh, and look, I actually think that Justin Herbert could be in the best situation because because first off, like he's not even expected to start right away, so he has that going for him. He's playing behind Tyre, playing behind uh, Tyrod Taylor, and I actually think he does have the best supporting cast if he were to even start anyway. Uh, ba- basically, let's uh, let's look at the receiving corps that they have right now. Keenan Allen's a top ten receiver, definitely one of the absolute best route runners in all of football. Mike Williams is an absolute god at the catch point. He can make some absolutely impressive 50-50 catches, and he was especially doing that when he were whenever he was healthy and on the field. Hunter Henry has has had some uh, big injury, big time injury issues, but he's also a very talented player. And the Chargers definitely recognize that because they gave him the franchise tag. Um, look, uh, further, further looking at, uh, who else they have, um, they did trade for, um, that, uh, that, that guard from the, for the Panthers, Trey Turner, who a lot, a lot of Panthers fans mentioned wasn't exactly the same player he used to be, but I think really for a team like the Chargers who had one of the worst offensive lines in the league for years, he's definitely an upgrade. He's definitely a guy that could provide, um, insurance for, Whenever Forrest Lamp is injured again, which could be anytime soon. So, uh, and, oh yeah, and also I can I, I completely uh, like let's not scoff over Austin Eckler, who's one of the absolute best receiving backs in the league. They extended him for basically nothing, which uh, cons- cons- considering what the what the uh, the Panthers did with Christian McCaffrey uh, is kind of a steal. Like, not necessarily to say that he's like as good of a player as McCaffrey, but for, uh, for the backfield, that, that's an, that's an incredible steal. That's an incredible, uh, pri- uh, incredible signing for them. And of course the defense, which has Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. Uh, yeah. Who, who is a, uh, one of, one of the best pass rushing duos in all football. Hopefully Jerry Tillery can continue to take a step. Secondary is actually kind of sick. Uh, Casey Hayward, 
Uh, Duran Dur- James is coming back. He, I like if he wasn't the best safety in football in his rookie season, he was definitely top three in my opinion. He definitely deserved that first team All Pro, and, and you can even argue that he deserved uh, defensive rookie of the year over Darius Leonard, who also had an absolute hell of a season. So it's uh, th- those guys are also in the mix. Desmond King is uh, also an absolute stud. Chris Harris is also joining him as well. So that that secondary has plenty of options as well. So really looking at the uh, the Chargers as a whole, like like even though they're like they're one of the most one of the unluckiest teams in all of football, really in terms of uh, in terms of talent, I think they definitely have more than enough to provide Justin Herbert with a an adequate supporting cast. No, I couldn't agree more. We've talked, me and Dustin have talked multiple times about how this defense has the potential to be a top five in the league, mostly just because Derwin James is coming back. I mean, you, you, we know yeah. about the pieces in Bosa, but so I understand the Herbert. So wrapping things up real quick, for anybody out there listening, can you just give your Twitter handle so they can go ahead and follow you and look at this deep ball project and they can, get, they can read all your work and tell them where to find it all at? Yep. Uh, my Twitter handle is at BrickballBlitz. I can spell it out. Brick, uh, wall, and then blitz, all in one sentence. No, no underscore, no fancy numbers, anything. Just brick wall blitz on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, and yeah, uh, we you, yeah, we hope to talk to you soon. Not a problem. I enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Just a great spot there. Again, people, if you didn't hear him say there at the end, that's Johnny Kinsley's on Twitter at brick wall blitz. You can also find him running for the Panthers at Riot Report, and then the 49ers at the 49ers Hub. I encourage anybody out there listening to get onto his Twitter and look at his deep ball project. He puts a lot of work into it, and it's a little surprising, the places you see. But my biggest takeaway from him was I asked him that Super Bowl curse, and he doesn't see it. You know, Jimmy G doesn't have to be spectacular, and, you know, they're putting the weapons around him. They've already established the run with Trent Williams. They're bringing him in. They're going to keep establishing that. That's going to be their main focus. That defense is still going to be elite. Yeah, I know they lost to Forrest Buckner. But Bose is probably the youngest, the best young, you know, edge rusher in this league. So, I mean, just a great piece. And I can't thank Johnny enough for being on. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Sorry again to put you on the spot with the dark horse thing. <laughs> but uh, I, I completely agree. I mean, they're going to try to do the exact same thing they did last year, run the ball and play defense. And unless that defense falls off a cliff and they just somehow forget how to run the ball, they should be right back in the mix. So, it's not going to be – much more the same for them, really. Right. So, were you on board though with him taking the Broncos as his sleeping, sleeping team next year? You know, I got him. Personally, no, that's not going to be my dark horse. You already know who my dark horse is. Yeah. But. No, I absolutely love the Broncos pick. I was elated when he said. I don't it. hate we, it. I know I just, we talked about it in our first draft power because I love everything they did in the draft. They're putting everything they can around Drew Locke. They're going to be right there. And, you know, they're just giving them talent after talent. And you, people forget how good that defense can be. You get Bradley Chubb back. So you're going to have Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller, and Jarrell Casey on your front. I mean, you have three potential Pro Bowl players if Chubb, you know, builds off of what he did at the end of his rookie year. You know, he got hurt last year. But I just – I absolutely love that slot. Yeah, I mean, on my way too early predictions, I got him going 8-8. Eight eight. So, okay. All right. That's cool. I mean, I'm okay with that. I mean, I, they'll still be in the mix right there for that third wild card. Right, spot. and where it falls for me, they don't make it, but it is what it is. I mean, picking sleeper teams at this point, though, with the added Right, playoff, it's, it's, it's kind of dumb, but I just did it for fun. No, I'm just saying with the third wild card team now, it's going to be easier to be right on a, a sleeper team just because that 8-8, eight and eight, I think eventually we're going to see more and more 7-9 teams get into these playoffs. Yeah, we're going to have those years for sure. All right, well, 
There's usually not much NFL news around this time of the year, but... The players have been getting in some shit, boys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the NFL, if you paid attention at all this weekend, you had four arrests. Ed Oliver, top 10 pick last year for the Buffalo Bills. Outstanding rookie season. Yeah, great rookie year. Gets an OWI and unlawful possession of a gun. Right. People still don't learn we've had this time and time again. I mean, Quinn yeah. Williams, the... The first D tackle to get off the board in that draft. Good thing for him though they're both misdemeanors. Yeah, stuff. it's not yeah, a only hand. I, I get that, okay, and yeah. it's just an. It's just an. It's still you're in the public limelight now. Like right. you are the face. You were the first round pick. You all are of these teams player. have the services for you guys. Like use them, please. Like stop. Don't don't be a dumbass. Like. And then Quentin Dunbar, the cornerback for the Seahawks. This is the most fucked up shit of the weekend. And DeAndre yeah. Baker's safety for the Giants got arrested. And I, I clicked on the link thinking, oh, you know, OWI, you know, possession of marijuana, gun, something. No, they robbed people for over $20,000 in cash at gunpoint. Yeah, what it sounds like, it's a card game gone bad. Yeah. What it sounds like, though. It, it's just, you, again, you're making at least hundreds of thousands, but making more than that. They're making millions. $20,000 cash doesn't seem like it's worth that much to escalate. And I get tensions run high, but you have no excuse for this. I, from what I read, though, it sounded like they had got taken to the cleaners by yeah. those guys like a day before or yeah. an earlier card game. Okay. And then they came back and won and was like, pay up right now, motherfuckers. And they didn't obviously probably have the cash on them, so they fucking took their watch and took... I don't know if that's 100% what, what went down, but from what I read, that's... We'll have more details. And then the last arrest, Cody Latimer, former second-round pick for the Broncos at IU, um, played with the Giants last year. Apartment pop. In Colorado, apartment <laughs> complex. Um, he was picked up, too. So, it just started with Latimer coming in, and then next thing I know, Twitter alerts up again at Oliver, and then just my mind blown with the Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker situations. I just, I don't understand where they're coming from. Yeah. It, it was, it was a wild week last week. Right. After I, we recorded. Okay. Just that's luckily the only NFL news we could get into the whole Rooney rule, but they put it on the table talk. So we're not even going to get into that this week. Yeah. You know, they're going to postpone it. Cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. So let's just kick it to the commercial and then we'll come back with our questions of the week. All right, thanks, Anchor, for the sponsorship again. Uh, we got questions a week this week, but we didn't have very good participation. So uh, thanks to all the fans out there. But I mean, we had participation. <laughs> we just didn't have very good participation. No. So the question of the week was supposed to be the top five inside linebackers and headed into the 2020 season. We got a couple responses, but every single one basically just had Darius Leonard He's not the middle inside linebacker for the Colts defense. He plays on the left side. He plays. He's basically an outside linebacker. He's he moves around a little bit, but he's and not I know the that inside linebacker. It can get def- it can get confusing because there's different sets of three, four, and there's four threes in this NFL. So we went with our traditional stand up. You know, basically in the middle line inside linebacker. I'm gonna go ahead and just kick this to Reeves since he's joining us now. Who's your fifth overall headed into 2020 inside linebacker? Uh, Tremaine Evans, the inside linebacker of the Buffalo Bills. This guy is definitely proved each year and just is really a solid player in that defense. Yeah, his first Pro Bowl year. Um, misses a little too many tackles right now, but he's getting better each year. I, looking at the list, like trying to get, you know, narrowing it down from you what you see there, trying to get it to the top ten and then top five. We can basically agree, though, our number one, all everybody's number one would have been still Luke Keekley, right? You know, he well, by far. Walked, walked yeah. away. Okay. 
Urban, go ahead and kick it off with your your fifth. Then. I went with Corey Littleton, the guy that does a little bit of everything. I'm a little worried, though, not you know being behind the best defensive <laughs> lineman in football, uh, how he will play. You know what I mean? You got you got fucking Aaron Donald up there taking up three blocks, two blocks, whatever you want to call it, and that gives you a lot of room to fly around and make some plays. A lot of people might not understand that, but that's that's how it goes. But I I like the, he makes a lot of plays. He's everywhere on the field for me a lot of times. And see, I left Littleton off because he's a little suspect in coverage. But also, I wonder he's a great linebacker. Don't get me wrong. I wonder how much of those numbers were inflated last year because he had 130, 140 tackles right. because Donald. Donald's getting triple teamed right. or double teamed almost right. every play, so he's just eating the run, and you know he's just benefiting from that. And the rest of their defensive line was no slouch. Yeah, and so for the past couple of years, I left him off. I'm gonna my fifth person. He would have been higher going into last year. He only played two games. CJ Mosley is still a top five inside linebacker for me. You know he was better in coverage two years ago. He was taking that next step forward. He doesn't miss many tackles when you're in that little two yard box with him. He is just a solid player. It's just you didn't get enough samples last year. It'll be interesting to see what the Jets can do just from the simple standpoint of if they keep Jamal Adams, which they should. They shouldn't be trading this dude away. They have two center pieces for that defense that can make a huge step forward with a healthy C.J. Mosley. Right. That's who I had it for. Okay. Reeves, what about you? What's your four? Uh, Four, I got another candidate that's been really just been coming on very strong in the last couple seasons of Deion Jones. The uh, Atlanta linebacker. He's just – I think he's not been talked about. I mean, I wouldn't say much. coming on strong the last few seasons when he made a Pro Bowl three seasons ago. I think So, been he's been around for right. four years. That was three, he, but – He's probably the best inside linebacker in coverage. He's the fastest. He's by far the sure. fastest, but he is great in coverage. You know, that Atlanta defense got trashed most of the year last year and two years ago. He's been the only bright spot for the most part since they went to the Super Bowl is because of what he's done. I have no problem with that. He's at my four too. You know, it just I would like to see a little more just flow and controlling the defense. Um, he misses a little too many tackles. I think he was at almost twelve percent last year missed tackle rate, which is a little high for an inside linebacker. Right. Go ahead and kick it off with your you third thing, Reese, because uh, my boy C.J. Mosley of the Jets in the middle. And no, it's not biased at, and that on that end uh, aspect of it. The guy he he did get hurt last year, but. Uh, week one against the Bills, he just decimated that offense while he was until he got hurt, and the Jets pretty much went downhill as soon as he uh, went out of that game and blew a lead and lost the game. Eventually, he's the key leader of that defense besides Jamal Adams. And, I don't think he's the leader anymore. I think it's Jamal well, Adams. Yeah, but um, Mosley is still uh, right now three, and hopefully this is, he doesn't get hurt. Okay, Urban. I went with Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, he's all over the field. He makes a lot of plays. I believe uh, through he's the youngest player at his age. He has the most tackles in two years ever by a player that young. Yeah. So he's barely twenty two years old. Yeah. Uh, we it was a question of the week one week. I think it was our first week actually, but I'm pretty sure he has the most tackles ever before your twenty second birthday. Yeah. So <laughs> he's pretty good. I mean, two hundred. He had two hundred thirty six <laughs> tackles last year. What I like is, you know, he came firing out of the gates his first year. A little sloppy, uh, overshooting gaps consistently. He cut his missed tackle rate almost in half up from 17% down under 10. 
if he takes another step forward, I know he made his first Pro Bowl last year. You know, he is going to be an All Pro type player. Now he's also got a really good defensive line in front of him, playing on a great defense. But he was my number three by far. I just you pick and choose. He's getting better in pass coverage. Just there's hard to find a weak spot because he's just getting better and better each year. And a lot of people forget. Uh, we talk about brothers in the NFL. You got the Wap. There's three right? of them in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, two too. of them play for the Steelers. Yeah. So, I mean, just another average family. Yeah, so I'll kick it off with my number two. He would have been the number one overall draft pick a few years ago had he not torn his MCL, PCL, and ACL in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. That's Jalen Smith. You know, a lot of people said he was just, you know, benefiting from playing next to Vander Esch two years ago. And Sean Lee. And Sean Lee. And just, you know, he was just kind of cleaning up. He was a little sloppy in coverage, yes. But he took another step forward this year because Vander Esch missed, what, five or six games at least. The three. last two years he's been absolutely elite. He's finally recovered from that injury. He's he's definitely up He there. just – he was all over the field a little more last year. You know, he 142 tackles, um, forced fumble, two and a half sacks. He actually didn't rush the passer much anymore. They took right. his blitz rate from, I think, 7% two years ago down to 25 Probably using Van Der Esch more for that. Right, which is understandable completely. I mean, you still have – I mean, they're going to have an even better defensive line. He gives up a lot of small plays in coverage, but they're not – he's not missing tackles either yeah. in that route. So you could question it there. But I just think each year he's getting away from this injury and – we're past that now, right. and he's just going to keep becoming an all-pro type player, That's in my how opinion. I have it too, as well. So. Uh, yeah, no questions asked on that one. He's you know great steal in the second round by the Cowboys, and great reach, and it's definitely worked out for them. One hundred and ten percent. Um, I mean, you can't really go wrong there because that I guarantee you. Then our number one's all the same. We're all yeah, agreeing yeah. On Bobby Wagner. yeah we're all <laughs> agreeing on Bobby Wagner, first team All-Pro the last yeah. five years. Um, the leader of that that defense over in Seattle. Just there's nothing you can say that he can't do. Even when they had the Legion of Boom there, like he wasn't the like guy in the media vocal leader, but he was leader of that defense then mm-hmm. too. Him and Earl Thomas, like they were. I, I think mean, you got Richard Sherman. He's he's the best mouthpiece in the yeah. world. Yeah, but you know, Tom I mean, Wagner was the shit. That was it. 2011 or 12 draft they got him. It was the 2012. That was just a loaded year. That year they got Russell Wilson too, Amber. So they had all pros in the first three rounds. Like. <laughs> Wagner just – he doesn't get talked about enough. Like, you could say the same with Levante David down in Tampa Bay. He's just one of those linebackers. God, Luckily, Wagner's gotten the, the consideration the last few years, but for a while there, no one was talking about him because of the Legion of Boom. Well, and, that – and, I mean, you had, you know, Bruce Lee. No, oh, I mean, but, like, you, the other linebackers in the league had that long – you know, mm-hmm. they had their standing in the league so long that Patrick Willis was just, like – Ray retiring. Lewis was still playing. I mean, Ray Lewis was just retired. But Patrick – Him and Keekley were Patrick the only – Linebackers, though, the last four years to get first team all pro every year. Too. That should be. Um, might have been the only players to get first team every single year, too, off the top of my head, because it's so hard to stay at that level. Pro Bowls generally don't mean shit. Once your name's big enough, you can have a okay year and right. you get in. The Pro Bowl voting's a complete joke. Is so, Bobby Wagner in a contract year this year, I think? I'd have to pull I think out. I read that the other day. The, no, He's not leaving Seattle. I'd be dumb for them to do. He is literally the glue of that defense. Yeah, I mean, there's. They have Super Bowl aspirations at least, if not this year, 
couple more years. Their, their window, nobody's window's huge, but they've got a potential to run with the way Russell Wilson's going to be able to lead that team. Yeah, as long as Russell doesn't go down, they're, they're in it every year. As yeah. of right now, they're my favorites in the NFC. That's fine. I just don't like the fact that we did a top five and we're all pretty much on the same page. <laughs> it's been the same as wide receivers, too. I mean, yeah, next week we'll do running backs. I, I, need, I, need, I, need, some, I need some argument in here. I've got, I'll to, you something I, I've got to argue with someone because I can't just get along and agree with everyone, especially Reeves. Like, he... <laughs> <laughs> he can't have that much common knowledge to him. Well, there's only this, so many players in that position, you know what I mean? No, I get it. Well, yeah, so we'll, we'll just do better next week, but <laughs> we'll move forward. I think I got a couple that will slow your top off. Uh, I'm not surprised. But, but for now, the, one of our last segments of the night, let's get into it. We had the football dudes yeah. on for an interview. We recorded with them late last week. Let's just get right into that interview. It was amazing. All right, joining us now are Casey and Dave of thefootballdudes.com. You can find them on Twitter. They have a podcast. They put together YouTube videos, a little bit of everything else. Thanks for coming on, guys. Oh, happy to be here. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. Kind of just starting it off, we'll get into some football talk here in a second, but I just wanted your guys as one of you can start or how you guys started this. You started your website. You guys have a really good following on Twitter and just what made you guys kind of start thefootballdudes.com. Well, we and it goes back, right, back. Casey? <laughs> yeah, it goes far back. We actually started on a little AM um, talk show on the East Coast. A friend of ours was putting together, and um, Dave and I kind of saw the future where we were going with that. So we kind of branched out from that. And um, you know, I, I I worked at NFL uh, the NFL Network for a little while, uh, putting together some highlights and stuff, uh, working in there. And I was like. D- you know, we watch more football than the people there do. Over at Dave's place, where we watch on Sundays, we have eight TVs. We watch every game. We've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. So that sounds like heaven. Yeah, that's where it really goes back. It really goes back yeah. to watching football together and having conversations and saying, "Man, we both know so much about football. We should, you know, instead of just talking to each other, we should talk to, you know, we should make a podcast or something, you know." And it's uh, that's where the seed was that developed into what we're what we've been doing now. Go ahead, Casey. Yeah, and then you know, as technology has advanced, we just try to find more ways to get it out to the people, you know. And um, we definitely have uh, uh, an angle that we approach football with, and we think that resonates with the people. So basically, we're just a couple football sickos that wanted to share that love and passion with other people. So. Um, that's basically what we're doing, and it's worked out for us. So we just want to keep moving forward. Yeah, no, it's been yeah, I great. Think we started. Yeah, we started football radio show, which was the uh, sort of the earlier iteration of football dudes, and um, I think we started that in maybe 2009, and then it really sort of took take shape in 2011. So um, then last year we decided to, to rebrand and become the football dudes. Um, just felt right. <laughs> I mean, it's been great. I mean, if anybody out there listening, you guys don't follow them, but the football dudes on Twitter, check them out. There's got a link to your guys' site. The content you guys put out is unique and it's actually great. I know me and Dustin have enjoyed it. Um, I just, I, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. Sounds like we've got a lot of similar interests. That's, that's pretty much watching football together and talking about the game is what brought me and Nick to start a podcast as well. But I'm going to get it kicked off here with another question. Uh, you know, with the coronavirus situation going on, even if the league starts on time, what what do you guys 
think some of the main challenges will be with, you know, the no mini camps and the OTAs being, you know, kind of weird here. What, what do you think some of the biggest hurdles are going to be? Um, you know, for me being a, a Cowboys fan, getting a new staff in there, it's going to be hard to, to implement uh, a whole new coaching philosophy. Then, uh, granted, we kept the uh, offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, there. So we're going to have some continuity there. But defense is going to be new. And, you know, there's so much turnover in the NFL from season to season. It's hard to get that continuity anyway. And it's the reps are even more limited than they've ever been. So throwing this mix out there and, you know, some of these teammates have not even been together yet. So um, just getting that continuity and cohesion is going to be one of the many challenges. Yeah, I mean, and think about this draft class right now. I mean, they would have already had some OTAs. They would be um, – you know, towards that mini camp and then checking in before the veterans. A lot of times those rookies get there a couple of days early or whatever. Man, those guys are going to have a real difficult time making an impact on their teams this year, given, I mean, speculatively, given that that things end up working out and we and the season goes on as, as scheduled. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I know that this could impact the start of training camp. You know, those rookies are really going to miss the time to work out, especially – even new quarterback situations, you bring in Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis or Tom Brady down in Tampa, they can't get in to these like mini workouts to start getting the timing down. So my biggest thing, I think, is that offenses are going to be a tick behind no matter what this year. The defense over the first few weeks will be more prevalent before offenses get going. But like you look back at, you know, Joe Burrow who's going to start week one. Yeah. You know, he's not going to be able to work. So that brings us to my, my next question is what rookie quarterback – would you guys think is going to be in the best situation to start this year just because of this coronavirus issue? Well, I I'll, think, say, I'll yeah. say, go for it. Dave. Go ahead, Case. All right, then I'll, I'll, I'll say, honestly, it's, it's either going to be Tua or Herbert because essentially the reason is because Tua has got Fitzpatrick. Now the temptation is going to be to play him immediately, of course. Yeah. Um, but in the Chargers situation with Tyrod Taylor there, um, you know, you can love him or hate him or think he's just a, a journeyman or whatever, but he's a, he's at least a serviceable quarterback, and there's no rush to get Herbert on the field necessarily. So I think there's a chance that he'll have an opportunity to just you okay. I mean, Joe Burrow, they got rid of Dalton. So, I mean, their their backup, I believe, is Ryan Finley. So um, <laughs> they're in a situation there where he's he's going to play, man. And like you said, it's not just getting timing down with the court with the receivers. It's knowing what the lineup, knowing how to read a defense at the NFL speeds, um, and also you know practicing the playbook where it's not he doesn't have to think he can just play. You know, right. you know and another big thing is getting in football shape. You hear the players talk about it all the time. There's no way to get in football shape other than playing football. So you can't count on many of these, all these guys, you know, getting the workouts in that they need to and getting in there and maybe getting hurt. So it's going to have a lasting impact if we actually get out to the field, which we're still hoping we do. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a tough road to hoe for these rookies, especially uh, the guy Burrow there who, you know, like I said, week one, snap one against the uh, the Chargers. He's going to be out there. Right. Yeah. Woo! Just piggybacking off that last question, what what were some of your biggest surprises from the draft and free agency personally? 
Um, well, for me, being a Cowboys fan, I always make a comeback to the Cowboys. Can't help it. It's just what I do. But <laughs> being there, you know, I'm an Oklahoma guy, too. I grew up down there, so I'm a big Cowboys fan. And I had hoped. Oh, yeah. I had hoped that he was going to be there, but I just didn't think it was possible. You know, I held out hope. And as the draft started going and seeing him there, um, when that little Falcons logo didn't change to an Eagles logo with a trade, I knew he was going to be our guy. And uh, getting him there and adding him to that offense is going to be sick. This guy was so productive at Oklahoma and is strong. You know, he reminds me. Uh, a little bit in between uh, Beckham and um, DeAndre Hopkins. Got great hands, great route runner after the catch, too. So I was really surprised that he was there for us. Pleasant surprise. Um, as as high as the Cowboys had him ranked and just a quality player. So that was all my world converging at once, and it left me super <laughs> stoked. His ability to run after the catch and just creates – space and plays is just seconds and I I'm still shocked that he dropped that far. Yeah, personally I think that's best case scenario where he landed for him, really. Oh yeah. You know, and he's from the area too. And you know, people said, oh the Cowboys needed to get defense. I, there wasn't, in my opinion, a guy there that you had to jump up and you know bang the table and get there anyway. So um if there would have been a can't miss project guy right there, then I think about that, but C D was the guy, was the fit, and uh couldn't be happier. Yeah, for me, I mean, if I think of a, the biggest surprise in this draft, and, and certainly you know, you look mostly at that first round, to me it has to be uh the Packers deciding to take Jordan Love late in the first round there. Um, <laughs> with a ton receivers the board guys that are going to be impact players right right now and for years to come and when you look at um you know the packers there i it, a lot of people think that you know rogers is the best if not one of for sure the best quarterbacks in the nfl and i, I don't know that he's even declined a little bit i think he just continued to build around a great quarterback like that and man when they went that direction now you've got a kid learning from rogers and it's a great situation i suppose for Jordan Love, but when you think about it, I, I think Aaron Rodgers has got a handful of years left in him of very, very high quality play, and now you haven't given him a huge weapon. I mean, you could have put somebody on the other side of Devontae Adams there. One of the there was five or six receivers that would get right on the field and start making an impact. They were uh, not that far away from going to the Super Bowl last year in the NFC Championship game, and just to get a guy that's essentially if things go well not going to play a snap this year and hopefully not even next year and then ultimately the big picture is you're using up jordan loves cheap years while he's developing and by the time you figure out who he is you might have to start just you might have to pay him or i don't know if you're going to try and move errors i just don't see the logic there man they could have had something different and it uh, almost anything would have made me more excited for a packers uh for the packers this year yeah, I agree 100%, man. I don't understand what they're doing there in Green Bay right now. I mean, I get if that's your guy going forward, you have to get him or whatever. But like you said, I haven't seen a decline in Aaron Rodgers, and I, it blew my mind, and it's still – I'm like kind <laughs> of a – that's my second team. Like, the pa I really like the Packers, but that just – Yeah, I just keep crazy. circling back to Rodgers has – is a top five quarterback still in the game right now, in my opinion, and still has at least 
five to six years of elite play and you just wasted it or you're creating this drama who he's already known to not be like the greatest leader in the locker room. You know, we've heard the off off the field issue with just the way he treats other teammates, yep. but it's like LaFleur walked in, swung his cojones and said, this is my team. We're going to run the ball. We're going to do it this way. And you don't matter. That's fine. But we all know you have to, to win in this league. You do need a high level quarterback and you had that and you could have helped him a little more. And we saw, you know, they could have gotten any of those receivers. I, I know Ayuk was there. Um, KJ yeah, Hamm, I loved just, him. Yeah, just a handful of people. And you see all these other teams like Minnesota did really well drafting. You know, other teams address needs to help out. So it just it still blows my mind there. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't even get out from under that contract. You know, the the, the dead cap if you move this guy unless you got a trip partner is, you know, over thirty million for next year. So he's not going anywhere. So isolated <laughs> The best guy on your team that gives you the best chance of winning. Uh, yeah, I think we're all scratching our heads on that one. Right. So both of you live in the greater Los Angeles area, for anybody out there listening. The L.A. Yeah. brought in, you guys brought in the Chargers and Rams. I guess one of the questions I had, too, though, was when you guys decided to bring in two NFL teams, especially the Chargers, I think everybody didn't really see that coming, them leaving San Diego. Mm-hmm. What was the, I guess, the general reaction from, like, the actual people, like, you all living there? Was it, like awesome like you see when like Oklahoma City got to keep the thunder just stuff like that like the town just embraced them or is it with LA being so big and you know constantly having the best things around was it just like a more of like eh vibe or just how did the town treat it all Dave you want to talk first since uh we got the Chargers (laughs) up here now (laughs) yeah um Yeah, I think when you look at the, like the sports page, there's like the, the the real teams that Los Angeles sees, and it's the that's the Trojans and the Bruins, and you know the Rams, and then there's the Chargers. You know, uh, they're sort of an afterthought. Well, they're behind the Dodgers, behind the Lakers, of course, right? Um, so there's no history here, even though the Chargers did have their first year in Los Angeles. Um, they are absolutely, essentially. Uh, they lost their San Diego fan base, a large portion of them, although some of them are still true. I'm from San Diego, but have lived in Los Angeles um, for uh, whatever, 35 years. So it's um, to me, it's it, I preferred them to stay in San Diego, but they certainly are not, you know, welcomed necessarily here. I think the Rams had a slightly different um, sort of reaction from the people like, OK, we got our Rams back. Um, right. I know the Raiders were here for a while, so there's still plenty of Raider fans in Los Angeles, more Raider fans without a doubt than Charger fans. I think if you just pulled Los Angeles people, you know, everybody, we didn't have a team for 20 years. So everybody that moves here to Los Angeles, which is a lot of us just moved here for some reason or another at, along the way, they bring their allegiances with them, man. If you guys moved from your uh, Indianapolis area to, to Los Angeles, you'd still be Colts fans. That's right. what happened to everybody here. That's why when you go to the stadium here, you see so many fans from the other teams. I mean, man, when we had the Eagles in town last year, it was all Eagles fans. When we had the Saints in town, it was all Saints fans. Yeah, that Steelers that's just the way it is. Yeah, Steelers you take know, over. Raiders oh, take yeah. over the Chargers. Yeah, I know they do, but it's just you saw that every week the away team against the Chargers was basically the home oh. team. Yeah, we had all away games essentially. I mean, there's no question. That's a, it's the rarest scenario. I think that the the Rams are, uh, felt a little of it, but not as much. And in this new stadium, which is going to be so exciting, I think the Rams will feel that that feeling. I think the Los Angeles, uh, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders 
will also get a little of that. Now, I think I know Raider fan travels and it's not that far from um, L.A. or Oakland to Las Vegas. But um, man, it's it's a pretty nice idea for anybody that's anywhere near Las Vegas to say, hey, let's go to Las Vegas for our football game, especially if uh, my favorite team's playing there. You know, so I think a yeah. lot of people are going to um, jump into that stadium. And, you know, that's going to be a divided fan base when they're there as well. You know, and also just talking about the Rams, there's kind of like a malaise about it. Like in L.A. is a really what have you done for me lately city. But there's also so much going on here. And Dave hit the biggest teams here are the Trojans and the Bruins because the last 20 years we haven't had pro football. So your allegiance is with these college teams. And chances are if you're going to the games on Saturday, you're not turning around and going on Sunday again. And if they're not winning, then people got other stuff to do. They're going to the beach or they're going to the mountains or they're doing other things. So it's it's very competitive for the consumer's dollars. So um, Rams mm-hmm. got to find a way to win to keep that interest there. And if they don't, man, and if they've traded away so many of these future picks, it could be bad news. But luckily this new stadium, the SoFi is opening up, and I've driven by there this thing is going to be insane. So that's going to pique interest for a little bit. But uh, once the, you know, the the glitz um, fades off of a new stadium, it's going to have to be about winning. And it's, it's, it's a tough audience here. Absolutely. Um, I got one more question for you guys here. It's kind of a curveball, but who who is your favorite dark horse going into this season right now with, you know, the draft ending and free agency pretty much wrapped up besides a few – few big players, I mean, they could still turn the Jadavian Clowney and a couple of the other guys, they could still turn, you know, a lot of people's attention towards another team. But who are your favorite dark horses? Hmm. As far as teams go? or Just like one, one team, like, yeah. You know, um, it's, a, it's a brutal division, but these Arizona Cardinals, man, I'm putting it back to Oklahoma just because I got to see him play a lot. But Kyler Ooh. Murray, this guy. So you just made that really happy. Man. He is so fun to watch play. He And he extends the play, and he doesn't take a lot of hits. And he's lightning quick. And now you've added DeAndre Hopkins to that team, man. He's got weapons galore there. They're building something special. If he can stay healthy and take the next step. I know a lot of these quarterbacks hit the, uh, the wall in the second year, but um, – I don't think that's going to happen to this guy. And you just gave him maybe one of the best receivers in the game. Um, Kenyon Drake came on last year. He was an absolute monster. Very tough division. But, um, you know, if Kyler continues to ascend like he has, I think these Cardinals could do something. I agree. (laughs) I I couldn't agree more, man. Casey's got it with uh, Kyler Murray and bringing over D-Hop there. That is is going to be – no matter what, it's going to be fun football to watch for sure. And it is a super competitive division, but who knows? Maybe they've given themselves a chance at this point. If I wanted to take this question, obviously um, there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but that's no, that's not a secret um, that they're going to be a much more interesting team this year with Tom Brady. Um, you've got uh, the Chargers who were uh, obviously nobody's picking them, but I think they have a, a really talented football team. If they can get um, stay healthy and get some – Decent play out of the quarterback position, but I know this is probably going to please you guys. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, pander to the uh, to the hosts over there, but I do really think this Colts team has got a real good shot. You know, last year I think most people had them to win that division, and then when um, when the quarterback situation uh, switched around like it did 
lot of people dropped out. And it didn't seem like, obviously, Brissett played as well as you had hoped. But uh, bringing on Phillip Rivers into that situation, this will be the best running game Phillip Rivers has had since uh, he was with LT there. It's the best offensive line he's had since like eight or ten years ago when LT was tearing up the league. And uh, T.Y. Hilton, I love T.Y. And then bringing in Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, I think that guy's a huge steal top of that second round uh, where you guys got him. Could have been a Packer. Uh, the Packers didn't want him, I guess. But, man, that offensive line, I know, I, I'm sure you guys have heard Phil Rivers talk, but he, he never threw the offensive line of the Chargers under the bus when they deserved it. And this offensive line that you guys have put together, it's going to protect him. That is exciting to me. And I really think that that is one of those teams that, hey, you know, you're not really picking them, but look out for the Colts, man. They're going to be legit. Yeah. So the biggest question I, or initial reaction around here, because almost all my friends or anytime I'm watching football around the Annapolis area is we didn't want any part of Phillip Rivers. You know, he came in and beat the Colts in the playoffs. Right. Um, and <laughs> And we were annoyed, but the biggest question, I, I'm okay with it. If we get closer to what we saw him do in 2018, obviously he's going to have more time yeah. to throw the ball. T.Y., yeah. you know, had a freak injury last year when he tore his calf muscle. He's going to be back. He's never been injury prone. I hate when people talk about that. But you also gave him, like you said, the offensive line. But we also have Marlon Mack who rushed for over 1,100 yards last year. And you drafted Jonathan Taylor in the Jonathan second. Jonathan Taylor, yeah. So you have a great one-two punch there, and the defense is going to be a year older. And I get it. I just I hope we can make that next step forward. So if if Philip is anywhere close to where he was two years ago, I think they do win the division. It's just the what if, and we have to wait until the season starts. Unfortunately for that, but you know the one year doing you know, wrong with it, so I'm okay. Yeah, and a couple things you know that really hampered Rivers is he had to take chances with the last couple seasons when he normally wouldn't to win these games. They're in a lot of close games. I think they lost nine games by a touchdown or less last year, but. You, you know, when you're constantly down, you have to take chances that you normally wouldn't. Philip Rivers is basically a coach on the field. He's a smart guy. You know, having more talent around him is going to get him back, I think, in the uh, the mindset where he doesn't have to gamble so much. He'll still throw it a couple times, you know, just to make, you know, he can get it down there, but he's not going to have to gamble as much. And uh, just protecting that ball, man, I, I like those Colts a lot, too, and that defense is pretty sick as well. Yeah, it's it'll well, be just piggyback on what Casey said. He, you know, Philip Rivers is like a coach on the field. He, he'll help out all the guys around them to make sure the pass protection is set up, especially like a rookie like at the NFL level. He's going to help uh, Taylor know who to get in in any given situation. And I'll tell you what, the Chargers could not run the football at all the last five or six years. And having a running game makes a huge, huge difference for a guy like Phillip Rivers. He's a timing guy. He's going to anticipate. He anticipates uh, throws so well. Uh, basically, when uh, he would get the ball out of his hand so quick, he made our offensive line not give up a ton of sacks. He's a believe me, as as slow as he is, he's a he's pretty savvy in the pocket, and he is going to be have luxury of time behind that offensive line compared to what he's used to. Yeah. And beat like Casey said, being a fight, and so he's going to risk it when it gets down to the fourth quarter. He's going to throw a ball that maybe he wouldn't want to throw. Yeah, no, I mean, he's always had really good pocket movement, and that's a reason why. Though he's so used to throwing to taller receivers, you you guys had Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, who's one of the, probably the most 
underappreciated receiver this past decade in the league by far. But they drafted Pittman for that spot. But, you know, I will say this, though. I'm sure the fans around here, Indianapolis Colts fans, are a lot happier that Phillip Rivers came in than the rumors that were floating around that Tom Brady would come here because I don't think anybody could have loved that being a Colts fan to watch Brady out there. But <laughs> it'll be a really good season. <laughs> you know, and you got to remember also that familiarity Frank Reich has with Phillip Rivers. Those yeah. guys are very similar in the mindset, and they yeah, yeah. they both know what the other guy wants to do. So I think um, that's some cohesion you're going to have there that maybe some of these other teams won't have with the, uh, you know, with the COVID shutting things down. So, um, and Philip, you know, I don't yeah, know if you guys heard there when he was. Nick, yeah, Nick Sirianni it was the yeah. offensive court, uh, uh, quarterbacks coach. Obviously, um, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator. That I think there's going to be, that is a huge advantage. Casey's absolutely right. With less time, a smart guy like Rivers, basically the language of the offense that you guys are going to be running there in Phil, uh, with Philip Rivers and Frank Reich, that's that's just basically an offshoot of what they were running with the Chargers. Of course, there's going to be some changes and stuff, but the the actual language of the offense is going to be something Philip Rivers is very comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to get a different insight too. Just you know, we're being Colts fans, and like I'm objective for the most part, but that familiarity is going to help tremendously. He's going to know the system, what's expected. But before we get off here, you know, Dave or Casey, if one of you, you want to tell the audience how to listen to you guys, whether it be YouTube or any other platforms or podcasts or anything, one of you give a shout out. And so they you know where to find you on all the social media and where to listen to you guys at. Oh yeah. You know, um, obviously footballdudes.com. We also have the football dudes, YouTube channel, the football dudes, Facebook page, go ahead and like us there. And on Instagram, and, um, yeah, you know, I, I talk about our Twitter page all the time. We have so much going on there um, that, uh, you know, there's just a wealth of information there. So that's a Football Dudes LA. And, uh, yeah, any and all those avenues, uh, we appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. We hope to have you on soon. But it was you know, great talking to you. Um, stay safe. I know that California is starting to lift stuff. I know Indiana is. So we hope to talk to you guys soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having us. All right. Thanks for having us on. Again, I'd like to thank Casey and Dave for coming on with us. Another great spot. You know, I want to agree with Dave. He's a Chargers fan. He loves Phillip Rivers. He does have a better offensive line. He's going to have a little bit of a better situation in Indianapolis. You know, he's got the familiarity with, with Reich and Sirianni. It's just I really hope that he's not back to last year. And I know we can sit back and go back and look at the 2018 tape. And, you know, he's playing at a top 10 level in this league. And he's going to be able to throw the ball downfield. It's just, I'm so worried. I think the Colts, at worst, are a 7-8 win team this year. But if he is back to what Casey and Dave both think, you know, their great situation, they are an 11-13 win team this year. And right. they can make some serious noise, especially if that defense takes another step forward. Because they're going to have, probably, this is the Colts here to take over, as long as Glowensia improves and doesn't you know take a step back like he did last year the best right. offensive line and you've got a two-headed monster in the backfield i agree with what he said uh, a lot of what he said about the colts i yeah. mean it's it'll be interesting to see philip behind you know that top one of the top offensive lines in the league and with that running game he hasn't had as good of a running game since you know probably around lt but we'll we'll see going forward with the Colts. I, I personally have them 10-6 right there in the wild card. So. Yeah, and then, I mean, Casey, also a Dallas Cowboys fan. Right. 
but it's hard not to agree. I know sometimes people say the Dallas Cowboy fans are some of the more loudest, annoying in the league, which they some are. But that's probably the coolest Cowboys. But that's that's any fan base you're going to find problems with that. But they did turn around and have one of the better drafts. Jerry Jones didn't screw up last year. They've got some serious pieces. And, you know, it's just stuff fell into their lap, and Jerry Jones for once didn't go a different route. They didn't reach on that defensive player everybody thought they needed in that first round. Casey picked his dark horse team as a Cardinals, right? Yes, which, so, which you're is, all on. Which is my dark horse team. Yeah, I thought season, so. you were going to uh, kiss him through the microphone, man. Well, I just, it's, it's impossible. But I mean, there's a lot to love down in Arizona, too. Let's right. not get wrong. Kyler Murray had one of the better rookie years we've seen. Like I said to you before, it's all going to depend on how they play uh, L.A., or all their division games. I was going to say, as long as they can Seattle, split, San Francisco, and LA. As long as they can split, or at least maybe beat two of them, and then split the rest, they're going to be fine. I think they'll be right in the mix. I got them making the wild card. So okay, I mean, yeah, um, we hope to have them on soon. As long as we didn't annoy them and they hate us right, now, but right. we can't thank them both enough. Again, go yeah, check out their Twitter, the Football Dudes. Go check out their fit their Facebook page, Football Dudes LA, and then FootballDudes.com. Great content. They're constantly doing stuff, and we hope to have them on soon. But after all these interviews, like, I'm still worn out. I need a beer. Yep, crack that six-pack, brother. This is the six-pack of the week. All right, with the first one, who is the Packers' all-time leading rusher? Man. Just, okay, good Lord. I don't know. Like, it's not going to, Abdul, I can't pronounce his last name. Running back in the '90s would be my only guess off the top of my head. It's Amon Green. Yeah, and I was saying Abdul for some reason, but I, um, yeah. Okay, I mean All that's right. fine. I just what uh, is the most interceptions thrown in one game? In one game? Yes. Let's go eight interceptions. It's eight. Yeah, it's eight. Testaverde or no? It was in the fifties. Okay, but there, there's a lot of quarterbacks who've thrown seven. Very yeah. high name quarterbacks actually. From like the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. Not a whole lot of the guys from our area in the 7 range. but No, you'd have to get benched but after 5. don't worry. Nathan Peterman last year or a couple Two years, years ago, ago really tried to set that record, but the Bills pulled him because he threw have five to. first half interceptions. Yeah, but I'm on like 7 attempts right. too. <laughs> still don't know how he There's a reason Vontae Davis quit at halftime on don't, that team. Don't know why he's in the league still. But um, who has the most sacks in Steelers history? In Steelers history, Jack Ham, James Harrison. Oh, right. oh, stats weren't an official stat since 1980. Oh my God, it wouldn't be. I guarantee if they went back, I don't know why the NFL has never done that. Gone back. They have the tape. I, I completely. You see agree. websites do it. Yeah, they you have, have the, the tape, tape. Pull it out. Let's get a more realistic yeah. stat. And there's nothing against James Harrison, but you would automatically no. you're drawn to the 70s. But I 100 would love to know how many sacks <laughs> Deacon Jones actually had. Right. Personally. And some of the other guys on his team, too. He had a lot of... There's a lot of players like right. that that you would have... Right, 100%. Um, who has the most passing yards in Redskins history? In Redskins history? It's not going to be Kirk Cousins because he didn't play long enough. I mean, I'm just... I doubt it, but Theismann or Doug Williams, so I'm, I'll go with Theismann. It's just Theismann. All right. All right. What player led the league in tackles last year? What player led the league in tackles last year? Solo tackles. Oh, solo. Oh, good Lord. It might be just tackles. Combined and not tackles per game. Man. This surprised me. 
Yeah, and because it wasn't, you know, Darius would have been up for it. One of your top name guys, let's just say that. I know, and it wasn't cool. Um, Blake Martinez. Okay, yeah, got it. Um, what player has the most passing yards in Vikings history? What player has the most passing yards in Vikings history? So, you go back, Cole Pepper played for a little while, but I'm going to say, man, because I, I just want to think of the 70s. They weren't shit in the 80s. I'm just going to throw it out there and say Warren Moon. You're, you're thinking too hard, man. It's it's the fucking main quarterback ever in Vikings history is Fran Tarkington. Okay. Yeah, but Warren Moon didn't play there long enough. I know, but you always think back in the 70s, you're like, yeah, but they had... Culpepper, Culpepper has more with the Vikings. Okay. I know, and I knew it wasn't Culpepper. I'm just trying to... Because you try not to go back on the 60s and 70s, too, because, you know, they ran the ball more. Right, and I thought I would get you with that Redskins question because, you know, you know they passed the ball so but much. But they've had so many problems since Joe Gibbs left the first time. But, no, but you know what I'm saying? They passed so much in today's game. Like, but Kirk Cousins didn't play did, there long enough. But when I did there, I mean, he was there for over five years. But he didn't start every – yeah. four good seasons, that's fine. But then you had Gus Farrat, and you I had would, so many shitty quarterbacks but, in the last 20 years from the Redskins. I, when I asked you there, or the Raiders question last year, you, didn't, you know, I mean, it didn't come off the top of the head. It would be Derek Carr. That's why I'm that's changing I'm my mind now. That's what that. I'm saying. Like, it, it's, it's a crapshoot, really. But the Raiders, you think of – Besides Derek Card, another team, you know, Rich Gannon wasn't there long enough. Ken wasn't Stabler, like, yeah. That's all I can think of. But, like, Jim Plunkett didn't play long enough. He was uh, in and out of the lineup. It all depends on the franchise, too. Like I right. said, like, you, the Raiders took the biggest draft bust of all time and Jamarcus Russell. Right. He was too busy sipping juice and weighing 330 pounds when he came to training me, camp. Hand me $70 million to see if I can get a few pounds. But... I mean, he, oh, good Lord. Okay. <laughs> I mean... Not a bad week. We hope you guys enjoyed those interviews. Yeah. Anybody new listening, we hope you keep signing up. Normally, we have a few more segments, but the interviews were so good, so much content. We weren't trying to make a two-hour long episode. Right. So, next week, we're going to go, like we said, over our top five running backs. You know, the Would You Rather segment will be back. Question of the Week will be back in full force. We also are going to have Jake Hefner on. On He covers the Chargers. For, he used to write for him. Now he's... The co-host of the Chargers Brawl, which is a big-time podcast. So any Chargers fans out there, they can listen in. He'll be on next week. So we have some more lined up, but just stay safe again. Let's hope we get closer to football. We're getting closer each week. The preseason schedule just finalized. We're getting closer and closer each week, and I cannot wait. Enjoy your week.